Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to How Come. Uh, today's episode is sex ed. Welcome to How Come's sex ed classroom. Um, I'm sitting here with Andrea Barica. Um, on the phone from Miami, we have Dr. Andrew Porter. Uh, he is co-creator of the Sex Rap and Professor of Public Health at University of Miami. And Andrea is founder of O.School, a shame-free platform for pleasure education. How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Cause I can do it by myself. I wanna just. Hello, everyone. Hey. It's great to be here. O School is an amazing platform. It is also free. Andrea, can you tell us how you started? Like, the, like, tell us everything. Absolutely happy to. So I grew up Filipino Catholic, mm-hmm. and when I was growing up, the only thing I was ever taught about sex was not to have it until yeah. I was married. Yeah. And then in public school, it was all just fear-based, very much just here's a video of someone have, giving birth, and here are pictures of STIs. And so this led to a lot of sexual shame for me yeah, growing yeah, up. Yeah. I ended up going into uh, technology and you know built accounting software, went on to do some venture investing. And in all of the companies that I was working with in tech, I really didn't see anyone building anything between Planned Parenthood and Pornhub. Yeah. There's like I really felt like there was this huge vast gap. No, you're either learning from porn or you're like going to Planned Parenthood probably for an abortion. Right, which is super important, (laughs) right? Which is so important to learn about, you know, birth control and our and basic anatomy sometimes if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, But really in between there's so much unlearning we have to do. And so I, I built O School to be a place where people could feel safe enough to work on their on learning about pleasure and also like unlearning mm-hmm. a lot because I think a lot of sex ed that isn't talked about isn't things that people have to learn but also things that we have to unlearn, unlearn. yeah and especially you know in the country today where so little sex ed is happening in schools you know fewer than 50 percent of high schools are offering any sex ed is right that now. true yeah it's it's the one of the lowest rates like back in the n- 1995 Eighty percent of high schools had to offer at least something about birth control yeah. or some basic sex ed, but conservative efforts have really succeeded. Right now, you know, of the fifty percent of programs that are doing sex ed in this country, over two thirds of them are abstinence only until marriage. Right, and so at the same time, you have porn access at an all-time high because yeah. of technology. On the other hand, you have an all-time low in the medically accurate information that's mm-hmm. being shared. And I mean, only like very few states, I think like depending on which study you look at, nine to 13 states right now are are offering medically accurate sex ed. So yeah. this is really a crisis and why start O-School? Yeah, and O-School, like you can literally go on there. It is free and you can learn how to masturbate, Right. You can learn about the clitoris. Yeah. You can learn about <laughs> masturbate. We also have edu- we have educators. We have a really diverse set of pleasure professionals. Mm-hmm. We call them from different backgrounds, um, from you know medical doctors and pelvic floor experts. Yeah. Uh, all the way, which is so important. I didn't even know what my pelvic floor was until yeah, I started school. Yeah, me neither. Until even- literally six months ago, I right. was like, oh. Okay, that's a thing in my body. Great. I didn't know the true anatomy of the clitoris till I started. Me neither. <laughs> Me, oh my God, we're going to talk about that so much. But uh, we yeah. are also talking to our friend in Miami. Uh, he is a doctor. And tell us about your podcast, Andrew, because uh, that is ed- educating people as well. 
Yeah, thanks for inviting me onto your uh, show today. Excited to talk about it. Um, so my podcast really maps on to what everyone else is doing and talking about. Um, I work with another doctor. Uh, we've been teaching sex at the college level for nearly 20 years, um, and we've spent a ton of time in college classrooms undoing the damage that's done either through ignorance or abstinence on the education, which is really just indoctrinating ignorance into young people. Um, so to kind of address that gap in education, we started a podcast where we have uh, sex positive responses to questions that young people, our listeners, uh, send in. So every week, uh, we well, we get hundreds of questions, but we choose one of our questions and we answer it, trying to help people get good information because it's really hard to find yeah. good information on the internet as well. The help literacy of trying to find anything reasonable about sex, yeah. um, you're much more likely to find pornography or negative information. So we're trying to address that gap. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, okay. So if you guys don't learn everything that you wanted from this episode, basically me, this is me just sourcing other people that if you're like, Remy, you know, nothing, just listen to their podcasts and go on their websites. It'll be great. And you'll learn everything you need to know, but we're going to try and cover, I think a host of topics. I had somebody write me recently and she said that she doesn't have painful intercourse like penis and vagina sex, but she doesn't like a penis in there. And she sent me an article about that being like a thing that a lot of people apparently have you guys run into that on O school? Totally. I mean, we have so many people with a range of problems and I think, you know, just as uh, other experts have experienced, it's just the shame of, of not being able to being able to talk about that part of your life. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of people who don't understand their basic anatomy. Yeah. Like what, where is my clitoris is I didn't know, you know, I get people of all ages saying, I didn't know what like women. Well, were. you too. Yeah. Like when yeah. I saw Andrea speak at a talk the other day, shout out to the V club. Um, but you were saying that you had never masturbated until really late in life. Like you didn't even look down at Mm-mm. your own vagina. Mm-mm. I hadn't seen my own genitals till I started two companies. That's how shamed and repressed I felt about my body. Yeah. Um, you know, kudos to the Catholic church. It's like pretty powerful what they can make you, <laughs> they can make you, you know, not touch yourself or look at yourself until you're in your like mid twenties. And I get a lot of that. I get a lot of people who, you know, really don't understand their bodies. Don't yeah. even feel like they have access to to that all the way to I would say the most common thing I get um, not just people sharing like the problems they have with sexuality even if they you know are finding pleasure they just feel like I'm strange I'm weird like they want validation for the things they like and so a lot of you know creating spaces for people to be educated also means creating spaces for sexuality that goes beyond just what we learn as being the right way to have sex, which is mm-hmm. penetrative sex. So one of the things that I really want to get rid of is this term foreplay. Right, right, right. Because right. what it really is teaching people is that there's a main event. There's only one it type involves of sex. a dick, yep. right? Or a yeah. penis. Or- when it's in sex ed, I was like, how do lesbi- lesbians can't have sex? There's no penises involved. Like they just can't. Mm-hmm. But Virgins forever. Virgins forever. So you can eat a million boxes and have your box eaten a million times and you're still a virgin? Like, That's just not true. Also, lesbians are statistically having more orgasms than straight couples. That is correct. Why? Because they're not focusing as much as on penetrative sex. Why? Because the clitoris is the most important thing to a female orgasm. Right. And so all the ways that sex ed has failed, you know, heterosexual people, it's failed even more for people who have different bodies, who have different identities. And like the more that we just unlearn that there is this one type of sex and it's penetrative, the better sex will be for everyone. Right. I think that really helps 
helps men with sex too because men men are, are a victim of that same thought process where you know there's a main event and i get to an orgasm and if you can help them unlearn some of that along the way definitely uh, they can look at the whole thing as this holistic fun activity rather than this goal oriented must get to this finish line where they're being judged as well like there's so much pressure i think for for um, people socialize as women to say no 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 and be chased and yeah. there's a lot of pressure on men to be so sexually you know so into powerful it. And, and yeah i always say on this podcast we're very little dick positive because you don't really need a dick to give a woman an orgasm you need fingers and a mouth and a toy maybe and maybe a toy maybe a feather duster <laughs> Um, but yeah, Andrew, that's a that's a really interesting point because I, I think it does take the pressure off of men too. And a lot of the questions that we get on our show are all of, I mean, we get, we were kind of surprised. At the beginning, we got the kind of typical question, is my penis big enough? How do I, what do I do if I'm pregnant? All of these questions about STIs, basic, like how can I be better at sex? Um, and then as we've started answering those questions, the floodgates have opened. It's kind of great. It's amazing. Uh, it sounds like old school is doing the same kind of thing where you create that space and all of a sudden the questions just come out as soon as someone knows that they can ask it without shame guilt and fear and i think that's the other thing that we're all constantly fighting is there's so much shame guilt and fear built into and around the way that we talk about and the way a lot of people learn about sex um and building a space where you get rid of some of that fear shame and guilt really helps people ask questions and get to know themselves better yeah it's crazy how many people have written me like very benign things and being like am i so strange and i'm like no you're not so strange at all like every I don't know how anyone survived before the internet and before there was communication like this. I really don't. They had the hardest lives. Especially if you identify as something not as straight, if you identify as yeah. something not as cisgender. Yeah. You know, so many people have had to navigate their sexual lives unequipped and unprepared. And mm -hmm. it's a large reason we have the problems that we have today is people not only don't know the basic health, you know, basic anatomy, basic sex education but a lot of people cannot even say the words around sexuality oh yeah you have sure. not you're right consent aside i have so many people who cannot say the word vagina the word penis the word yeah. dick or these words without without it and so one of the the things that we need to do is teach pleasure with everything else yeah, that we yeah. teach because again teaching people about stis there's no there's like, no pleasure conversation in sex ed it's, it's literally like, this is how you have a baby or this is how you don't have a baby. Like, if you actually wanted to teach sex ed properly, I, I made a joke the other day, like if they wanted to teach sex ed for pleasure, they would teach girls to fuck girls and boys to fuck boys and then the second you want to have a baby, you fuck the other one. <laughs> like, I mean, not, not actually, but buy some fucking sex toys. You can go your entire life without having sexual intercourse and you could have many 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 orgasms you like teach masturbation is basically the solution like I, I don't you feel when you first went to the gynecologist and they asked if you were sexually active like it was like a test and like you wanted to pat like she would always be like okay and are, are you with a monogamous partner and I'd be like no and then I'd feel so bad and she's like well are you being safe and I'd be like well yeah but like I still feel judged about 
fucking more than one person. And frankly, we need to have a conversation about how most medical doctors have very limited sex education and pleasure education themselves. I have held my anatomical clitoris model up in spaces with doctors and yeah. other medical professionals and they have not been able to identify the structure of the clitoris. Yeah. And so, you know, if you t if there's been polls about where Americans think the best source of information about sex is and most people still identify their doctors mm -hmm. or maybe their therapists and actually that's not true. There have been sexologists like Carol Queen and others who have been really at the forefront of research and pushing the, you know, this information to the medical community. Yeah. You know, uh, I totally agree with that point that we need to involve the doctors because they're a huge force of slut shaming Hell for, yeah. For, yeah. for everyone. And also they need more education themselves. The average medical doctor gets, I think, 10 to 15 hours of sex ed total in medical school. And then they don't go back and relearn it. And that's the thing is so like we didn't know about the internal structure of the clitoris until 1998 mm -hmm. which is insane and I doubt that like a bunch of like with a pharmacist you have to go back and learn new medicine all the time but I'm sure most doctors are like no I know what the anatomy looks like that can't have changed much yes it has because we didn't have people looking into female sexual pleasure because it wasn't seen as a necessity oh, oh yeah uh, I think that there are some really serious problems in education across the board right so we're talking about sex ed I think sex ed in high school and abstinence only education is an easy one for us to point the finger at and say this is the cause mm -hmm. the root cause of all of these problems that people face over their lifetime but sex ed is a problem in colleges in medical schools it's a problem from beginning to end in the united states um, yeah. i think i think that we're all kind of hitting the same point that uh, we don't have people talking about sex, but yet we know that the vast majority of people are having sex and having potentially risky or dangerous sex or uncomfortable sex or unwanted sex over their lifespans because they've never been trained to talk about it. Yeah, they're going to do it anyway. Like people are going to figure out how to make themselves feel good or they're going to make themselves feel like sex is for other people. And then if they're not talking about it enough, then they're just going to have fucking terrible painful bad sex right i mean it's one of the reasons why we end up with this situation with dead bedrooms where people don't even talk to each other about sex people in long-term committed relationships stop caring about each other's pleasure in bed etc yeah yeah because you're like oh well we made three kids we did it 20 percent of marriages are sexless right now really mm -hmm. i actually had um i talked about this on episode 30 but a woman wrote me in and she said that her marriage has been sexless for six years and that she doesn't feel that a sexless marriage is a big enough reason to break up. She oh, thinks that there's a reason, but she said it seems like other people don't think there's enough of a reason. And why is it okay if we're not getting along, but it's not okay if we're not having sex? Right. Well, well, and I also think it's part of the double standard, too. Like, if there's a man in a, in a heterosexual marriage who's complaining about not getting enough sex, there's all kinds of responses uh -huh. that we get from therapists and medical communities. But if there's a woman who says the same kind of thing, she's told pretty frequently, like, well, you know, your relationship is worth more. Your relationship is your identity. You shouldn't end your relationship because you're not being sexually fulfilled. He's yeah. not beating you. He's not lying. He's not running yeah, around. Yeah, Just yeah. be grateful you've got a good man. I've heard this yeah. many, many times yeah. in that, you know, it's not really appropriate for women to prioritize pleasure mm -hmm. in their lives and relationships. Yeah. And that absolutely needs to change. But uh, it is. And, and Pamela and I were talking about this the other day because we were leaving a womanizer event and we had just received this wonderful new toy, you know, about, um, and I was saying, I used to think that female orgasms, we didn't really deserve them because they seemed so unnatural. And the fact that we, so, most of us do need 
like a machine doing it. I think about if I was on a deserted island, I could never have an orgasm, then okay, I must not seek that because it doesn't seem like I deserve it. Do you know what that do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I think I think that we have you know, it's 2018 and we need to admit to people that a big reason that people have sex is to feel pleasure. And for mm-hmm. so long, only one person's pleasure really mattered. And yeah. And it seemed like such a, such an important thing. Like, well, guys may come every day. You have to help them get it out. Well, I mean, I'm a person of queer identity. So Perfect. My thank God. A little, bit, a little bit different okay. um, <laughs> because, you know, I was with other people and we all wanted each other to get off and have a good time. Yeah. So, um, so personally, um, I want everyone to feel good. Right? Yes. I think pleasure is one of the basic tenets of having a good life. But um, no, certainly whenever we talk to people, whenever people submit questions to us, that's the kind of stuff that comes up. Um, our very first show was how do women orgasm? We have so many questions like how do women. I mean, we, we sat and talked for 20 or 30 minutes just yeah. explaining to people that it's just a normal, natural thing. And if you pay attention to some parts that you probably don't know about and you've never heard and you mm-hmm. couldn't draw a picture of. Uh, maybe you'll get there. And if you don't, that's okay too. But it's a, you can work on being better. So I heard that upper left on the clitoris is apparently a great spot for all women. Someone told me that the other day. So ladies, try that out. Um, but while we are talking about the clitoris, because you brought this up and we were talking about the structure, uh, Andrea was, was showing all of us, and I will post it online if I haven't already, uh, the structure of the clitoris. And I think we just need to talk about that more into detail because it's not something we learn. People, I posted it online and somebody was like, oh, it's fallopian tubes. <laughs> I uh, actually, I, I print out, I have a, access to a 3D printer and before I teach about uh, human sexuality in the clitoris, I print the, out a whole bunch of different parts internally and I pass them around and the clitoris universally is the one that no one has no one any knows idea what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what it is. Yeah, Andrew, we have a clit army ourselves. Yes, she brought so many 3D clits to, <laughs> to the V Club the other day. Yeah, I'm holding one in my hand right now. I mean, are we, are we going to try to describe this to listeners over... I don't Boys. think I don't think we can, but I think the important thing is is that it's not just the button that you see in the vagina, right? Not at all. It's got eight thousand nerve endings. It's about ten centimeters in length, and the average, you know, human. Yeah. We produced the video with animations on yeah. Odell School, so I, I will encourage, you send that to me so I yeah, can repost I, it from How Come? Okay, absolutely. Perfect. And I, I encourage everyone, all teachers, people teaching sex ed, we we've created gifs and we've created all these different resources so that people have access to 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 learning about this amazing organ. It's the most pleasurable organ yeah. in the human body. Its only job is to have pleasure. And the amazing thing about about the organ as well, like you said, I mean, it was really kept out of the medical community. It was written, like research about the clitoris uh, has ha- was not done. You know, in the 1500s, that's the whole, it's a button, you know, two Italian yeah. dudes thought yeah. they were like, of course, right? Two Italian dudes were like, we've discovered the clitoris. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like this little end, only the external. Bravissima. Yeah, right, just the glands, <laughs> just the glands of the clitoris. The penis has a glands, the clitoris yeah. has a glands, yeah. right? It's the most sensitive um, kind of external part that's when you pull back the clitoral hood is, mm-hmm. is, you know, right there. And then there's these, you know, this this whole other structure that's internal that attaches to the pelvic um, bone. It's inside, you guys. Mm. Like, you can't see it. So don't try and like peek up into your, you, you won't see it. But it surrounds your vagina. And this is how I think I can explain it visually for an audio podcast. Imagine a coat hanger, but picture the coat hanger is pacing forward instead. And that's the thing that you see. 
and then the coat hanger goes back into your body and then there's like it looks like balls that are hanging around the coat hanger and the balls are on the outside of your vagina so that when the penis or whatever toy uh, is going into the vagina if you think it's a pulsating vaginal orgasm et voila that is your clitoris surrounding it from the outside it's and the amazing thing too is, <laughs> is we have boners of our own of yeah like, we like have clitor- little boners the clitoris yeah, has erectile tissue like the nipples mm-hmm. like the penis and it gorges with blood yep at the time of orgasm it can it can get you know 50 to 300 percent larger it's it there's there we have clitoral boners yeah uh, as well and so i think when people start to think about it like that it changes their life it changes yeah. their life to know the, the how much potential pleasure there is it's a denser amount of nerve endings as yep. well so there's the same amount of nerve endings in a penis and a clitoris but in the clitoris it's much more you know concentrated and dense yeah and that can that can be really fun for people to explore and i think that's really what i would I, I want people to know it's not that you have to have an orgasm it's not that you you know have to you know, have to do anything, but mm-hmm. for a lot of people, this you was, can, yeah, you can, and also it's meant to be. Like I used to think it wasn't meant to be because it was so difficult. No, th- it has that many nerve endings because it's supposed to give you pleasure, and that's the thing that I think was, oh, we have to help the guys jizz because they're so pent up. We're just as pent up, and we get the same exact amount of relief and same exact amount of like, cool. Now I can go on with my day. And there's a whole bunch of health benefits. You can even do things like bring down your blood pressure. So, really, Did yeah, you know yeah, orgasm is great. Like sexual pleasure is a. I mean, if you look at it, it's a whole body release of negative energy. It's a whole body like you release all kinds of hormones. You get to relax. Uh, there's a whole bunch of health benefits that are related to it for yeah. men and for women. So, see, it's meant to be. It's not some like smutty, shameful thing. It's nice unless you want it to be. Unless you want it to be, and then go be nasty, you bad bitch. Get out there. (laughs) A student in Kansas City on my last college tour said that they were taught that the clitoris was the devil's doorbell. I I (laughs) not to touch it. Yeah. and and so absolutely, you know, we need to get people to to feel like this is this is an amazing yeah. part that they have an option to explore. Yeah. When okay, so you were later on in life. What was the first time you actually like explored? your vagina you know it's really through a lot of uh, different um, experiences I was lucky to have a partner who mm-hmm. I you know had one partner for a, lo- a long time and it was a lot of slow exploration I had to go at my own pace yeah and the first time I saw someone else's genitals it made me cry it was oh, such a sad experience really? and so most of my first experiences were mixed right there was like oh my gosh there's this thing that feels good but also every time I would experience it it would fill me with a lot of shame a lot of guilt Uh and you know therapy really helped me I I walked in uh I walked in you know 16 years old into a therapist's office and I said you know I'm I'm not well adjusted around sex help me and I knew I knew something inside that that I was programmed to be a certain way Uh, my earliest experiences and memories about sexuality were all around guilt and shame and don't touch that and Mm -hmm. you know uh, good girls don't do that and these types of messages and Mm -hmm. so I, I can't stress enough that it it wasn't I wasn't, I didn't have access. Like I needed right. O school when I was 18. You were bad. in, in like, San Fran, right? Yeah. I, I grew up in California. And San Fran is like a pretty like progressive. I was born in Sacramento. So oh, okay. It was the capital, okay, okay. Two hours okay. from, from there. I've been in the Bay Area for over a decade, okay, but gotcha. I, I grew up in Sacramento, but mm-hmm. it really, uh, you know, what I think needs to be understood is, is how potent and how negative 
for your entire lifetime learning about sex in a shameful way is it had lifetime effects that I'm still unlearning at 28. I mean, I grew up in, in a health class where I don't remember why they said it, but at one point they said there are people who are gay and this is how they have sex, but they have harder lives. And I just remembered being like, Oh my God, I have, I can't, be gay I can't have any thoughts about girls which was tough because I was in a locker room and I'm looking at boot you know like I like guys but I also and I I would pray I'd be like please don't make me gay please don't make me gay after that health class that was in a very liberal school too um, I mean, all of, all of my sex ed about gay people was they have AIDS. Like, right. all of the negative yeah. uh, stereotypes about gay people and AIDS. And and they have hard lives and they have difficult lives. And then, of course, since it was mostly abstinence-based education, there was a lot of moral judgments that were passed on anybody who was having sex, but especially women. And then anybody who wasn't straight who had sex was going straight to hell kind of rhetoric inside of a public school classroom. So, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us who are drawn to sex education do have these backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like I, I was 14 when I was told that if I, you know, admitted that I was queer or lesbian, that mm-hmm. my baby sister couldn't sleep in my bed anymore. My favorite human being in the oh whole world. God. And I remember that was like the day I was like, not gay, not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until, you know, it was in my mid twenties that I came out and I, rem- and I wasn't until I, I started doing this work of, of going through my past and what, what things really affected me. And it's, perv- it's pervasive, but it's also things that you, you, you don't know till you actually sit down and start thinking about yeah. your own life. And where were the moments that were these, these, this guilt and the shame like formed and it can really get in the way because I find that so many people that are uh, getting educated around sexuality for the first time can be really defensive at first. Mm-hmm. And I usually have an open heart to them because I remember being the same way. Like the, you, yeah. know, you form, you form these kind of defense mechanisms. And, and I think that's one of our biggest barriers as sex educators is that we are not, op- you know, it's not like teaching someone golf, right? It's not like <laughs> teaching someone how to put on makeup. It's, it's, it's teaching something about, it's teaching a subject that for many people, you know, they can't even remember when they form their perspectives about it. And it's like a little bit of a, a barrier. Yeah. Do you remember your first orgasm? It was, you know, I was probably like 16 or 17 and um, I actually got the chicken pox. It what? Was, yeah, that's why. I, I, that's why. What? Because you were home alone so all you by were just, yourself? You were just bored? No, no, because oh. you can get chicken pox all over your body. I was 16, I was 16. So you got chicken pox on your vagina and you had an orgasm from the fucking chicken pox? Well, because it's itchy, right? You're not putting, you're not like... (gasps) What? (laughs) This is the best one I've ever heard. Oh my, so you were forced. You didn't I have didn't an option. Know. I didn't know. No, no, it's not that. I just also didn't know you what didn't was going know that on. what you were doing. Yeah, I didn't know at all. Holy shit. Okay, so then after the pox went away, were you like... I didn't have one for a long time after that. No, I didn't. Tr- okay, I, you I didn't try. No, no, yeah. And you probably were like, "What the fuck was that?" Pretty much. You were just like, "That's a really solid itch. I really want this disease one more time." <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, do you remember yours? I do. Um, so I was probably eleven or twelve. I was home alone, sick, and I was snooping around in my parents' closet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the thing that you do you when do. you're eleven or twelve. Yeah. And- did um and there was a box and it said massager and it was like this little handheld and it showed a picture of a woman on her side with the massager on her shoulder and Uh that's where i started and i ended up on my genitals and i had no idea what was happening but it felt really good silly Um, little boy oh my god that's amazing 
I didn't know the name for it. I didn't know what I was doing. I just know that this was really awesome. And I was best friends with that massager for another two or three years. So Wait, until did I got she, caught. Did she then, ever yeah. notice it was missing before you got caught? No, because I would only do it when my parents weren't around. So I would like sneak into the room, climb to the top of the closet, pull down the box. And then replace you, it. And then put everything back where it was. When did you yeah. learn about putting your hand around the penis? When it was, was it when the massager was taken away? Uh, it, it, it was after the massager was taken away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I would like lay on the bed on top of it and just rub around. But, mm. yeah. So fun. <laughs> what a time to be alive. I remember the, the the color of the box. I remember like the Oster with the little star on it. Like I mean, crystal clear, vivid memories of my best yeah. friend for a couple years. Do you now think that your mother was maybe using the massager for a similar method? Um, I I am one hundred percent sure because when I got caught, <laughs> the shame and the guilt that she like you know it was like a complete. You know, my parents very religious conservative, so like the complete meltdown that they had. Oh made it pretty my obvious. god, <laughs> that's amazing! I am going to have to hop off in yeah. just a second. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, everybody. Have that's, another. That's okay, uh, Andrew. Do you have anything that you want uh, to? I don't know. Get out there and say to people that you think everyone should know. So I have two things. Is that okay, okay too. Yeah. yeah, that'd be okay. great. Touch your balls, touch your boobs, use a condom. Mm -hmm. That's the first part. And then the second one is if you have any questions about sex uh, that weren't answered here today, feel free to send one to us at The Sex Wrap. We'd love to have a conversation with you. It's a lot like this. Um, and it was great. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. Thank, Thank you for you all the work so that you're doing. Thank you so much for being here. I have to ask this at the end of our sexual experience because I ask everyone. Uh, Andrew, did you finish? <laughs> Almost every single time. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. And, and I would say that my most common advice to women mm -hmm. of everything, even sex, work, career, relationships, friendships, yeah. is your needs are your needs. Yeah. Your you desires are, valid. are your desires. Yeah. Stop trying to get different needs and different desires. Stop judging your desires and your needs because they are your needs. They are your desires. Like, welcome to yourself. Yeah. I don't know how it's possible that like women always feel not enough and too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what, like I don't know what mental gymnastics there are that like too much, not it's enough, too so much, not enough. Like you're never just so true. Right. I think also the best sex advice I give people relationship advice is talk about these things. Not when you're at your most vulnerable state, right? Get, yes. Don't get naked. Don't be naked. Yes. Just yes. go out into a restaurant and you don't, you know, I, and also I feel like it's okay not to have to bring it up in the very like, I call it the sex educator way. Like, mm -hmm. hey, Brian, like, <laughs> I you're not going down on me enough. And I, we need to talk about that. And like, no matter how much we give people the words, yeah. some people just, it's too much. Yeah. And so I like to give people the advice. Don't bring it up. Don't admit what you like to your, the, your partner right away. Send them an article about it mm. and say, what do you think about this? Mm. And then don't, don't, don't expose <laughs> that it's you until you, you kind of contest the waters or, or get some funny gifs or watch a movie that you have yeah, selected that, yeah. that talks about it. Do anything to get some confirmation of the other person's reaction. Mm -hmm. We live in a world where you don't know. You, no one wants to be shamed yeah. for the things that they want. No one wants to shame other people. Right? Yeah. It, I mean, that's one of the most difficult conversations that you could possibly have with a partner of like, hey, I'm not having any pleasure. Right. Or, hey, 
I've been faking it for like a I had year. To, I did it two years into a relationship because right. I hadn't even reconciled it with myself that I wasn't or having orgasms. I had to be like, hey, we need to work on some stuff. And it wasn't in bed. It was like in a car right before a dinner party. I was like, uh, this is something I think you should know. A lot of guys actually, um, I had a guy wrote, write me the other day uh, that maybe we can give him some advice. Um, he knows his girlfriend's not having orgasms and he listens to this podcast, but he doesn't know how to bring it up to her because he thinks she might find it creepy that he's been listening to this in the first place. What do we say to that? Again, it's it's about the bravery to, to, to broach subjects. I mm -hmm. think there are just ways, and again, we can't control other people's exposure to these topics, right? Like as much as we all want everyone to be like not slut shamey, I've, I have experienced people saying, no, like I cannot have this conversation. My marriage will be at risk. My mm -hmm. relationship will be at risk. My careers will be at risk, whatever it is. And so I just have some empathy for that knowing, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, the stakes are different. Yeah. And so I would say gently, bringing things up gently, bringing yeah. things up um, with eye language and nonviolently. And, you know, this communication and yeah. talking around this stuff can be worse and scarier than the actual sex itself. A hundred percent. But I like your idea of being sly and maybe turning on that fucking Netflix episode I'm on because then he could be like, oh, I've heard of that podcast or something like that, you know, like, and then maybe she'll feel more like, because if once you see that episode, you're like, oh my God, other girls aren't coming oh, I maybe can talk about this because I feel more normal and shit. I think the most attractive thing is when guys are genuinely interested in a, a woman's pleasure. And I think that's a really nice gift he can give to her being like, yo, I care about this, you know? In general, good practice is set containers. Like, hey, like let's, you know, hey, I'm gonna, I wanna ask you about this thing. Like, can we talk about this? And and not like kind of making it into this like longer like relationship yeah, thing. Yeah, this know, isn't like, about our relationship no. this is about a small thing about me but that will turn into a big thing between us hopefully um here was another question i had uh just because i've been taking questions now guys how fun is that um this one girl says that she has to have straight legs and point her toes or she can't orgasm there's been a lot of people uh sitting in in different positions so maybe uh, if you haven't tried one try straight legs and pointing your toes um, but her question was, I haven't introduced my toy to any partners yet, and I'm not seeing anyone right now, but I'm out there. Have you got any advice for this? If you yeah. want to, then you absolutely like should if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. With that said, a lot of people have issues around toys. Um, I find that uh, it doesn't have to if you're listening and you're kind of like, oh, I wouldn't want a toy in the relationship. You know, mm -hmm. that, that means someone wants to have pleasure with you. They want to have more pleasure with you. Yeah. Like someone bringing a toy in means that they want to experience something with you together. And yeah. that is a beautiful and amazing thing. With that said, a lot of people I have, you know, experience and have told me their experiences of bringing in a toy and having the reaction be very much do you need that what you know do i even need to be here really yeah, defensive yeah, yeah. really like can, yeah. can be negative and so strategies around that is to really you know start off uh, introducing the toy conversation with like i really love like the pleasure we're having yeah um you know what really makes me hot is, is this, this thing, thing. <laughs> and then stop talking and see what they say. Yeah. And like, I would say, too, if you're a brave person, maybe do a bit of performance art because then at least it's like, hey, this is going to pleasure you, too. A lot of guys and women like 
seeing their partner or the person that they're currently with use a toy and just experience pleasure in front of them. It's a very sexy, very vulnerable thing to do. Um, but if you do have hangups about sex toys and other people, and you think that like, oh, machines are stealing our jobs. They're not stealing your jobs. They're making your job a lot easier um, and nice. Like we don't just rely on your dick. We don't just re- like, I, my hand gets tired. How nice would it be if you can just use a button and we can kiss? One of the things that we work on at O School, because I think that within relationships, this is also easier, mm-hmm. right? Because within relationships, you've got some trust, you've got, you know, a, a mode of, of communicating around things. Mm-hmm. But with hookups, I find this being one of the most difficult things because mm-hmm. you don't want to have to sit down and have like a two hour consent. You know, you, you want to have right, consent right, right. and talk, but there's, you know, you're not going to sit down and get like, you know, so much uh, communication and sometimes you just want to bang. You yeah. just want to jump in and bang. And if you want to bring a toy in, um, the reactions of that and like, you know, some men have never seen, you know, some men have never seen sex toys. Some yeah. women have never seen sex yeah. toys. Lots of people have never seen sex toys. And so I also, you know, say that there's like, you can incorporate this into dirty talk, into mm-hmm. texting so that you're not shocking someone yeah. because they just have never seen one yeah. before and they were just shocked and you thought like, oh, I'm being shamed. But maybe someone's like, what is that? Yeah. And I don't know. And so I, I would say incorporating it into sexting, into, you know, hey, yeah. like, I've got this toy and I can't wait to show you, you know, making it fun and not, because I also have seen people um, who, who, when they try to talk about these things, it's like, oh, so I have to talk to you about something and they're anxious. And then that makes it like, it's going to be like this massive floppy dildo that like has veins and shit. And then like most of the sex toys now are beautiful, you know, like it's not going to be like another cock in the room. Like, don't worry. And if it is, (laughs) yeah, Um, I think, I think that would be great. One thing about sex toys too is just have some kind of wipes um, so that the person is assured that it is clean. Um, I have an automatic warming lube Lube, I was going to say. And like that's the bougiest thing to pull out. Be like, baby, don't worry. There are some really- No contamination here. Gorgeous one though that's like in an O shape and Mm -hmm. then, oh my, it's so pretty. Right, but it's also really hygienic. Yeah, because you don't have to grab blue bottles and, yeah. and touch uh, touch it. It's got a great, um, it's got a great you know hygienic purpose as well as being yeah. super impressive to to all people that you're sleeping with. One thing that I uh, created to try to make this easier for fun with my team is we created you know how you go to restaurants or, or sandwich places or burrito places now and you can fill out like an order form. Yeah, and we made a hookup order form. That's amazing. <laughs> Will you send that to yeah. me? Yeah. Uh, oh my it, god. I made it I'm exactly like <laughs> no. I made it exactly like a sandwich order form in that there's like little things you can choose like this is the foot motion I like yeah this is the positions I like yeah these things don't do please wow. like with like, like the like don't put onions or yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's in the bottom there's like on average I take x amount of minutes to come and yeah on average you know this is yeah. and then you just allergic like, to anal except right. on Tuesdays <laughs> or like you know and it's it's kind of like you've seen the really exhaustive yes no maybe list for mm-hmm. desires perhaps mm-hmm. if you haven't like there are these huge lists that you can say everything that's on the table off the table or maybe and that's amazing but again I think it's we need more resources for for more casual or hookup situations yeah. where you're not you know you don't get to know someone potentially yet you know I think to close the orgasm gap which, which is real yeah. between especially heterosexual couples. Um, these types of t- like tools are, are helpful. And so I'll send it to you, but I'm That's really proud awesome. of it. I haven't, yeah. I have yet to use it. And I, I, what I would love, and this is my like 
plug if anyone would like to to use it with someone and tell me how it went yeah <laughs> seriously um we we would love to get feedback about how it actually happens in the wild like i will use it as yeah. soon as it, the opportunity comes where i'm going to print it out i actually already do this in a way mm-hmm. so when i have a new sexual partner i i do this kind of as a joke but also not as a joke um i i, I text people or i give people a written list of things you're like that christian gray that delight me yeah no but i don't but it's <laughs> no, not limits no, no, it's not no, like no, a con no. yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. it's actually it's just a list of things that delight me that's nice and it's just information just, like it's not all sexual that can make me happy no and it's like, not all sexual bring me sour straws if i am sad pretty much yeah. or uh, getting my hair blow dried that's the yes. thing that like and a, a lot of people are like and i don't ask for any of these things i'm just saying no, hey it's just for like these your are information that i like yeah these are things that not just i like that delight, delight me. me like yeah. i teach women like i actually challenge people all over the country when i do sex education as homework just make a list of things that freaking delight you yeah like don't like that aren't even you know don't have to be sexual and I'll, it's funny a lot of people write me after i have them do this and they're like i just had never no one's ever asked me right no one's yeah. ever asked me what and I, I got this um from another sex educator kate kenfield she's one of my colleagues who've taught me so much about joy stacking and how we have to remind people that there's all these positive great things that it can be fun and silly and you know really at the end of the day uh, that's what makes what keeps things I think less scary and like mm-hmm. more likely to uh, happen is if we just I think a lot of times you know when people get educated too there's a lot of just like weight and heaviness and like use condoms and yeah like, and and yes condoms are sex toys as well yeah. I like to call all the things that we do as sex educators um, really just other toys and so yeah. yeah I'd love to send you the order form no, and I, get your feedback we need on it. it we need it um, but the thing I was thinking about with wipes too and with like sex toys just to wrap up her question make people feel like more hygienic so that your brain can feel more rested you know because a lot of having sex is you're just wondering or like there's you know like do i smell is something funky you know like just take that worry out you know wipe it away wipe it it away okay and i think we can take one more question maybe and then we'll wrap this shit up um, all right. So one person asked, uh, she would really like to hear an episode all about STDs. Um, she said, I know it's not a subject that is not generally fun to talk about, but I think the message is of greater importance. I mean, yeah, it is. We do talk about STDs, uh, in episode 13, uh, dirty girl privilege. Um, the CEO of laurels, she talks about her experience with oral sex and being married and having an STD. Um, but I assume you guys have, a lot of information on STDs on O school. I do, I do, and I love talking about this. I have like three main things though that I think aren't talked about at all. Mm-hmm. One is we need to call them, we need to rename them. Like they should be called like like STIs are standard transmitted infections. Like okay. sex is standard, and I think we put so much weight on them, but they're really yeah. like like I feel like I want. I wish people were educated more on how common and how not that big of a deal many of them are. Like oh, so yeah. much of sex education is shaming and making people fear having them so much that yeah. I actually think it makes it worse. We're at an all time high rate of STIs in the country mm-hmm. right now, and one of the things that's gonna make that go down, in my opinion, is if people understood that, you know, this is part of having sex mm-hmm. um, for a lot of people. You can be, you can, there's every amount of prevention that should be done. And also this, these are, these are some of the risks. And for example, I use the uh, 
the comparison of if someone goes on a ski a skiing trip mm-hmm. and gets the, like their leg broken when they come back people don't, don't go you need to really stop skiing like how could you <laughs> how dare you and you know it's just a person loves skiing they're like you know every time i go skiing i take every precaution but i may yeah. break my leg stis are something where we really shame and blame people for 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 doing it and of course some people aren't safe right maybe you ski without the proper precautions sure. and you don't do those things but i think we need to think about it like that yeah and yes yeah, the first thing that we have to do we have yeah. to actually just because I think there's a lot of, of of money that's been spent. Like for example, herpes, mm-hmm. right? Like you see pictures of it, and it's just it's made to seem like a life sentence. Like people, yeah. the, the Vegas joke, right? Like everything stays in Vegas except, except herpes. herpes. <laughs> this is like, and we pr- we propagate these and we joke about these things, mm-hmm. but they're really bad considering so many people have herpes. And yeah. let's just be real, herpes, yes, is a like is an affection that there is no cure for that you live with, and also it's very treatable. People who who have it like can have great and awesome yeah. sex lives. Yeah. And it's like pimples. Does everyone have a pimple once in their life? Yes. It's they're, they're just little red. They're they are little red yeah. bumps. So we have to call them what they medically are yeah. instead of like. It has such a worse ne- like connotation. Psoriasis. I've I've had sex with people. With psoriasis and eczema. Yeah. Like and you know and herpes is just another. And we but yet we put the weight on cert- on STIs. It just sounds much more disgusting. It's like leprosy. Le- it's right. like we call, we don't call leprosy leprosy anymore. We call it Hansen's disease. So excuse yeah, me if yeah, I have yeah. offended anyone saying leprosy, but it's the same stigma like herpes has the same stigma and it absolutely doesn't have to be that way Mm -hmm. one of the most common things i get is oh my god i have herpes and like am i ever gonna have sex again i always have to tell like tell them like oh my goodness you know you're going to probably be better at protecting your partners yeah than people who have herpes and don't know Mm -hmm. that they are hsv1 or 2 positive right and so um that's the second thing and the third thing is that we need to meet people where they are. I can't tell you how many times I've been to talks and, I've, you know, as educators, we should always tell people, you know, the best way to, to, to protect themselves, right? But I'll, and, and also, for example, I don't know many people who use a condom during oral sex. I have yeah. talked to thousands, literally, of people about yeah. their their safer sex practices. It blows my mind. And and, and and how and it's not like they haven't heard. No, you should use a condom. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, like eating vegetables. Everyone knows you should eat more vegetables. It's really hard to do. Yeah. And also, we all need to know that um, risk aware. Like, pe- we need to empower people to have risk aware sexual interactions that they can they can you know, know the facts and, uh, you know, assess the risk because what I see happening is people shaming people like, oh, you knew to wear a condom and you didn't. And what this, what this creates is more silence, Mm -hmm. more shame, Mm -hmm. less talking about Mm -hmm. it. People don't go get tested because they're like, oh, well, I didn't do the perfect, I wasn't the perfect sexual health being. And and yet, and and the more we moralize it, yeah, the more we moralize it, yeah, the more that people will not talk about it. And yeah. so as educators, we have to make sure that we are real with people and that, yes, you should use barriers for everything. Dental dams all day, every day. Mm-hmm. We need to uh, not moralize the issues to the point where people don't. Again, I am anti-shame. Yeah. At, at my whole life, I'd never want to shame people for yeah. anything that they do because I know the power and the, the, the negative power of it. And so, yeah, that would be my three things that, of course, you That's know, doing perfect. an episode on STIs and actually how to prevent and all of that. Yeah. I, my kind of my opinion at this point after building O School for almost two years and speaking to so many students is that a lot of people know what to do. Mm hmm. 
and we need to make they just better. don't feel comfortable talking about it right or, or, or we need to help. make better we need to make we need to continue to challenge ourselves to make better barriers not that there aren't they're all awesome barriers out there mm-hmm. and also i still hear from people like these don't feel good and there's there's a so i want to rebrand barriers to sex toys yeah <laughs> you know like they yeah. once you know once a condom comes out means shit's going down that's so a true. good thing you know yeah. and so we need to make we need to make we need to increase the marketing and the branding of these things apart from like don't and make them a little easier to put on just so they don't slow down the mood L- last thing get really good at hearing other people's sti statuses yeah and i think one of the big things that we need to do is get not just treat pe- teach people how to disclose teach people how to hear disclosures yeah yeah because one of the worst things that i see is people who who, who preach about this stuff but as soon as someone comes back and says hey actually if hsv one and two yeah yeah then it's like you know, and it's okay. Make whatever choice you're going to make. Sure. But you can do so without propagating this idea that people with STIs are dirty or yeah. unclean yeah. or unworthy of sex because that is absolutely going to make the STI rate go higher and higher and higher. Yep. And so I think that's also like tools in their toolkit is yeah. come up with your response of like, thanks so much for sharing your status with me. I'm going to think about this, but I'd love if we like cuddled or did other these, these other activities. Yeah, or what do you know that can keep us exactly as safe? And then that person will be like, I've lived with this for a while. Let me tell you right. and I will keep you safe because you asked and you were sweet. Uh, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming here while you've been in town. Uh, I, I loved having you. Um, I just have to ask this to you as well. Uh, Andrea, did you finish? Yes. Perfect. Um, thank you so much for coming. And we'll see you next time on How Come. Bye. It's not you, it's me. I try so hard to finish honestly. They say you'll know. When you go all the way from A right down to O Oh no I think that I still got a ways to go Oh oh I'm sick of this and I have got to know How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Cause I can't do it by myself. I wanna just. I forgot to ask everyone their handles. If you want to follow Andrea, um, her handle is Andrea Barica with two R's. Um, if you want to find O School on Instagram, it is O.School, but like spelled out dot o dot d-o-t school um and then the sex rap is just at the sex rap um and you can go to o school's website if you just type into your browser o period school cool goodbye